Good morning. Could I get you to dim those lights just a little bit? Thank you. These, these up here? Great. Thank you. I can see you now. You're all a blur, a holy blur. <laughs> so, let's just pray. Father, we just want to thank you for this new year. We want to thank you that our lives are in your hands. That you're a God that loves us, cares for us, and has a plan, has a purpose for each one of us. And Lord, we would just come to you this morning and we know that we're extremely fallible. We know that we have our weaknesses. But Lord, your grace is sufficient in every respect. And Lord, I pray that you would just in increase that level of awareness and faith that you are able where we are not. In Jesus' name. Amen. That's a lovely song, isn't it? I like to look at a song and think, okay, what's the message? And is it accurate? And do we have a wee few question marks around the theology of it? That's just my teacher's sort of mind. Um, I like to take all the goodness out of it, but I also like to think, well, is that entirely true or is it partially true? And I know with a metaphor, which this of course is a metaphor, Jesus take the wheel, if we literally did that, if we said Jesus take the wheel as we're driving along, took our hands off the steering wheel, um, obviously, you know, we'd probably run off the road or run into something or, or whatever. And uh, even if we're Mike sort of witnessing, you know, I can imagine he, he might just be a little distracted. And we can, we can get distracted at the wheel, can't we? I know one of my bad habits, and if my wife, if she's not well, she's not here this morning, but um, one of my bad habits driving, and she's fairly ready to remind me is I quite often drive one-handed. Have I got any one-handed drivers here this morning? Quite a few of you. You know, you've got to give the other one a bit of relaxation, haven't you? You know what I'm saying? But she gets very insecure when two hands, whoever's driving, if we're with somebody else and they're a one-handed driver, we had a taxi driver once who was talking madly and in fact, both hands came off the steering wheel every now and again and that was scary. I, must, I was scared. Um, but, you know, the one-handed thing, I could say, well, Jesus has got the other one, so we're right. But that doesn't work. So, it's a metaphor. And I, I rather prefer the idea that Jesus wants to teach us to drive rather than literally take the wheel. And that was the thought that was very much in my mind as I started preparing, as this was the, the, the subject that came to my, came to my spirit that I, I felt the Lord wanted me to share this morning. And that sense that teach us, Jesus wants to teach us to drive rather than for us to be rather fatalistic by taking our hands off the wheel, so to speak, and Jesus do everything. But as I drilled down into the whole subjects and looked at the scriptures and so on, 
I probably leaned a little bit more to Carrie Underwood, where she takes her hands off and gives it to Jesus. So it's a bit of both and this morning. So is it true, a true metaphor, or is it false, or is it partially true? Is it a matter of our perceptions and the meaning we attach to that message? There's a time when we make a decision to follow Christ, and maybe we've come to the end of our resources, and we realize that we've really messed up and we've really failed. And we hand it all over to him and we trust him with our lives. We say, Lord, I surrender to you. I trust you. And that, in a sense, is us taking our hands off the wheels, right? And in the, in the story that this song portrays, that's certainly the picture you get. That she's at the end of herself, she's on a road... She wants to be saved from that road she's on. And she gets a big scare and sees her life flashing before her. So she hands it over to God and says, give me one more chance. But the question I would ask is, yes, give me one more chance, but what if I fail next time? Because I surely will, right? We never get it completely right. And how many chances do we, want, does we, do we want God to give us? And that's where I sometimes think that the, the can, we can get a, a sense that our, fa- that our faith, and when this is contradiction here, our faith, that is our belief, founded in fear of consequence, will always let us down. Because faith and fear are totally opposite. What if I'm not good enough? What if I'm beyond redemption? If I receive Christ into my heart, into my life, what does that new heart look like? What does that new life look like? I believe many of us labor under a sense of, I'm not really good enough. I'm not good enough. I failed, and I keep failing. And we come sort of crawling back. Whereas Jesus says, I've come to give you life, and that life abundantly. He has come to give you life, and that life, more, more, and more, abundantly. Abundant life. Do you want the abundant life? It's a gift, and he's given it to you. Galatians 2.20, and I've often referred to this, it's my favorite verse. It's, It's my guiding light verse. It's the one I keep referring back to for myself. And that is, Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. 
the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me, gave himself up for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. I no longer live. I'm dead. I no longer live. I've been crucified with Christ. Sometimes we've got this thought of, well, there's me and there's the Holy Spirit. Sometimes the Holy Spirit wins, (laughs) but most of the time I win, right? And we've got this constant battle going on between the flesh and the spirit. And when the flesh wins, we feel condemned. And sometimes when the spirit wins, we feel we're really good about ourselves, but look out for next time. That's not the life that Jesus has called us to. When he says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me, he's saying, you don't live anymore. You haven't got the wheel anymore. I've got it. All you need to do is have faith and trust that I'm guiding you. Do you get this? You are dead. You're not sort of partially dead. And I've used this analogy, this picture before. But in Monty Python, in search of the Holy Grail, we have that sort of picture where King Arthur is sort of coming, coming along and he meets the Black Knight and he has a sword battle with the Black Knight and one arm comes off, the other arm comes off, the two legs come off. But the, the, the Black Knight says... I'm not surrendering. He said, well, you can't fight. You've got, you can't fight. You can't. He said, well, we'll call it a draw then. It's a mere flesh wound. <laughs> and we think, well, we, the flesh, it keeps fighting, doesn't it? It keeps giving us trouble. Jesus says he's put his life within you. And that we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. The life I now live, or rather Christ lives in me, I live by faith. It's a divine exchange. He died as me, became sin that I may inherit his righteousness. He now lives in, through, and as me. I'm going to repeat that. He now lives in, through, and as me. There's a theological term called the the vicarious Christ. And that is that Jesus died as me. He became sin. He became you and I, our sin, and took it to the cross. But he also lives vicariously through us with the fruits of the Holy Spirit. 
Smith Wigglesworth, the um, very well-known evangelist and healer of the last century, took communion every day to remind him constantly that Jesus exchanged his life for Smith's. That was his way of just reminding himself that he wasn't living as Smith, but living and representing and carrying Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit within him to heal the sick, to preach the gospel. That was his calling. So what part do we play? How do we receive that sort of life? How that sort of abundant life? What are we called to do? What's our responsibility? Have we got to pray more? Have we got to fast? Have we got to read our Bible more? Have we got to do all these things? Now, sure, some of those things are really, really helpful just to get us close to God, but they in themselves won't bring the life. The life is already there was because we've received a new heart. Amen? We can relax and we can receive that new life like a little child. I've got a wee picture here. I have to have a wee brag. And that's our little grandson and uh, little William. So that was his favorite pose, you know. And even though I'm busy there in the kitchen, that's me, by the way, if, in case you didn't recognize the legs. Um, even though you might be busy, when that happens from a little 10-month-old, you don't ignore it, right? You, you can't. They don't let you. And Jesus said that the kingdom of heaven comes to, the, to little children. And if you become as a little child, you will be the first in the kingdom of heaven. That's how you receive kingdom life. With the heart of a child that receives. It's not a case of doing more. It's not a case of self-improvement programs. It's a matter of receiving. The Holy Spirit and allowing the Holy Spirit to lead us, to instruct us, to teach us, to comfort us. He is our helper. He is our confidant. He is our shield. He is our reward. Amen? That's the life. That's the life. That's the life of Christ within you as a believer. And we receive it quite simply, by faith. By faith that Jesus died for you and lives in you. Faith. Trust. Irrespective of what's going on around you, irrespective of your circumstances, can you trust him for them? It's a little bit like if I took this glass 
I'm not picking it up to have a glass. I'm picking it up to have a water. And to take it in. And to drink it in. It's the water that's in the vessel, right? And for you and I, if we can understand it and get a hold of it, it's Jesus in us, the hope of glory. You know, as you're looking to take Jesus to St. Albans in the next few weeks, it's that sense of carrying Jesus within you. Sure, we want to give him out. But we need to know and believe and receive by faith the life of Christ within us to be able to give it. Sometimes we're so busy doing good stuff that maybe we don't take time to receive. Do you hear what I'm saying? We need to take time to receive. Take time for God. Take time to trust Him and to get to know Him so we can receive more of Him. And I know because I'm a bit of an activator and a doer. And most of my life, I've been getting out and let's do it, let's do it, let's get it done. And every now and again, I've fallen flat on my, flat on my face and had to recover because I've been so busy trying to please, trying to do the right thing. That's how I was brought up in the church context. To be a doer. And that's sometimes our culture and our humanity wants to be more doers. There's lots of jobs to do. There's lots of things that need doing, right? But have we received? Are we receiving all that God has for us and trusting that life that's within us? You know, we contain his love. It's agape love. I used to read Revelation, and it worried me a little bit, because it's pretty heavy going, isn't it? Hard stuff. And uh, the story, you know, the story of the Ephesian church is a funny one, because I used to read that, uh, and even when I led a study course here on Ephesians, I used to think about that verse where it says, um, I have this against you that you've left your first love. Now, the Ephesian church was a perfect church in many, many respects. They had revelation. They had miracles. It was all going on. They had John as their pastor, the Apostle John. It was some church. But Jesus said, I have this against you that you've left your first love. And I was always of the, th the, the thoughts, and I preached it, and I've heard it preached many times, that that's that initial zeal when we come to Jesus, and we're full of his love, and we're full of zeal, and we've got the message, that's what we need all the time. And reality is, after 10 or so years, I hadn't got that. 
And I used to look back at the zeal I had and I used to see people saved when I first got saved. And you have that enthusiasm, you know, that life and you, you're younger and zealous and then time goes on and you bring up the family and you have the pressures of the mortgage and all of that stuff that life brings along. And maybe the zeal and the passion wasn't there. Oh, I want that back, I want that back. So you feel guilty and you feel condemned because you hadn't got it. The reality is that word, you have left your first love, is you have left agape. That is God's love for you. And Jesus said, I've seen your works, Ephesus Church. I've seen them, I've seen all your good works, and I've seen that you don't tolerate this and that, and that's okay. But I have this against you, that you've left your first love. Return unto me. Agape is God's love for us. In other words, they got so taken up with doing good stuff and doing the right things and doing the Christian stuff and working hard. It says that they, they um, were full of good works. What had subtly happened in the church is they'd left their relationship and put the emphasis on doing the right stuff. Do you know what I'm saying? So it's keeping that, that sense of his life and his love for us will have that motivation of sharing. Can't fail. Because if we're full of his love, it's overflowing. If we're full of agape, God's love for us, the fruits of the Spirit, it's going to happen. It's going to flow out of us. We're going to do those good works automatically. But somehow, they got taken up with their programs and, their, and all the stuff that was going on. And neglected their first love. Romans 8, verse 10, we read, we had a little bit of a break. Is, is it possible to get this one up on the screen? Or have we missed it? Romans 8, verse 10. We'll just see how we go there. I'll read it. And then hopefully it'll come up on the screen in a moment. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the spirit of God are children of God. The spirit you received does not make 
you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings. So what that is saying is, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation to live by the Spirit. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship, and by Him we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. A little bit like little William putting his hands up. That's God's heart towards us. That's how He sees us, His children. We are adopted into His family. We can cry, Abba, Abba, Father, which is Daddy. There's a relationship. Jesus talks about it in the Gospel of John very, very clearly. He talks about the relationship with the Father and what He saw the Father do, he, He did. And then He said, we're going to come and live with you, the Spirit, the Father, and myself within you, to lead you. And it's very much that relationship of the Father with the Son is the relationship that Jesus has with you and I, the Father has with you and I. That is the same relationship. He wants to live in you, through you, and as you. You, We are His representatives, amen? And that life, by His power and by faith from us, that's our part, to receive by faith His life. Can you do that? To receive by faith His life. Fear will tell us we're not good enough. It draws its evidence from the flesh. Plenty of evidence for it. Plenty of evidence, isn't there, that I'm not good enough. But Jesus has chosen you and I, in our weakness, to show that his strength can be made perfect. The Apostle Paul pleaded to have the thorn that was in his flesh, whatever that was, to be taken away. It says that he pleaded three times. And I'd say the Apostle Paul, that would be pretty serious pleading. But the Spirit said to him, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in your weakness. 
In other words, Jesus loves your weakness. Have you ever thought of that? Those things that let you down, those habits, those human things, Jesus loves you despite that. And he wants to glorify himself even through the victory that you will eventually receive in that area, whatever that might be. You know, temptation comes to each one of us. But with the temptation comes the opportunity to spend time with God, to seek the answer, to resist it. And sometimes we give in and sometimes we fail. You know, our thoughts and our feelings from time to time seem to be contrary to Christ, don't they? Do you find that? Thoughts and feelings come and go, but the real core you, the new you, the new heart that Jesus has given you and put within you, stays constant. That's what you want to respond to. That's what you want to please. That's why there's a battle outside there sometimes within you and within your flesh. Because in this sense, in your core, you're redeemed, you're saved. Eternity is guaranteed. You are secure in him. He has made you. You've been born again. You're not going to be unborn. You've been born again by the Spirit of God. He's given you the Holy Spirit, it says in Ephesians, as a seal for eternity. Amen? We need to lay hold of that by faith so that abundant life can flow through us. I just want to get the uh, musicians to come up now. And I'd like us to take a moment just to focus on Jesus this morning. So do we offer the wheel to Jesus? If you've been born again, if you've got a new heart from him, and the new covenant promises that you have if you've received Jesus. Then he's got the wheel. All we need to do is learn to trust him. Let's just bow for a moment and just spend a wee bit of time focusing on him. I want to thank you that you've called us to be sons and daughters of the living God. And as sons and daughters, we can come to you in a childlike spirit of dependence. That we can trust that you will pick it up, pick us up if we put our arms up to you. That you are there for us. No matter what we're facing, no matter what we've gone through, you are our strength at our time of weakness. We can trust your life 
that you've infused by the power of your spirit within us. We can trust your life and your spirit for guidance. We can trust for outcomes. We can trust for our eternal destiny. Lord, we thank you that your favor is not dependent on our behavior. It's dependence totally and completely in what Jesus has done for us on the cross and the blood that was shed for the remission of our sins. That is the taking away of our sin, the taking away of our guilt, the taking away of our shame that we might know that new life and we may have confidence to approach the throne of grace in our time of need you may have a time of need right now approach his throne with confidence knowing that he hears you and he has the wheel all you need to do is trust and have faith that he's in control Lord we hand this over to you now we thank you right now that you are in control thank you Jesus thank you Jesus no matter what it is you can trust him you can trust him Simply receive, simply receive by faith. Is it that simple? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Just by faith. Thank you, Lord. I just wonder with just every head bowed if there's anyone here this morning that hasn't received Christ in their life, into their heart. They haven't received that new heart, that new life that he promised he would give to any that asked for it. That he would forgive their sin, that he would come and live within them. If that's you this morning if you'd like to just slip up your hand so I can pray for you and you can receive that new life is there anyone here this morning that would like to receive Christ for the first time
I just sense that the Holy Spirit is doing a paradigm shift in some people's lives, in their, in their belief structure. And you're, you're struggling with this, I'm not good enough. I can't please God, which has been your belief structure and how you perhaps were brought up and you're struggling with that concept of God being an unconditional God of love who just loves you just as you are with all of your issues and problems and failures. But in that sense that he loves you just as you are and wants to give you an abundant life and free you from the power that the flesh and unbelief has had on your life. Lord, I thank you that you are greater than he that is in the world. We recognize our enemy. And we recognize that he wants to rob, steal, and destroy and sow seeds and lies in hearts and lives. But you have come to bring life and that life more abundant. You are saying over your believers, over your loved children, it's no longer you that lives, but Christ lives in you. I live in you. I just want to show up everywhere. I want to show up day to day in your workplace, where you're working, in your family life, at home, with your partner, with your wife, with your husband. I want to show my love through you. You just need to trust me and believe me and let me give to you. You just need to receive. Father, I just pray that the power of your spirit would free those that are bound with unbelief and you would bring a freedom in Christ for who the Son has set free is free indeed. Amen? Amen.